This is the Wellness Puzzle Podcast with Andrew Jobling, author, speaker, educator, entrepreneur, and AFL player. Join Andrew as he continues his lifelong journey as a student of human behavior. This podcast will help you live your passion, explore your potential, step into your power, and embrace your possibilities. Embrace your possibilities. possibilities. Hello, Andrew Jobling. This is the Wellness Puzzle Podcast, and it is fabulous to be here for another week. And this is a week of magic, a week of romance. This is a week of love and connection and all that cool stuff as I talk with Elise Peck. And Elise is co-author of a book called Elevate Your Energy. She's a coach, and she seems to be focusing on the area of romantic love. And she says she's getting incredible results with people and helping them to find love and to connect and to really align themselves to who they are and accept themselves for all of their flaws. And when you do that, it's amazing who you attract that actually loves you for who you are. Sounds pretty basic. We struggle with it sometimes. I know I certainly have struggled with my imperfections. I've tried to hide them rather than embrace them. None of us are perfect. And I think what makes us more lovable and most lovable is being exactly who we are. Anyway, that's enough of me rabbiting on. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this fabulous conversation with Elise Peck. Hello, Elise. Wonderful to be with you and for you to be with me. Thank you, Andrew. It is wonderful. I'm very grateful to be here. Yeah. Well, how's your day going so far? You're sitting in beautiful Sydney. Whereabouts in Sydney are you based? I'm in the northern beaches of Sydney. Oh, stunning. It's beautiful up here. I originally, I come from Melbourne originally. So been in Sydney about 10 years and it just, it's, it just feels magical being here. It has, the gloss has not worn off. So, What about Sydney do you love so much? Definitely the beach. I'm a real beach girl. I, I love to be able to see the ocean pretty much every day, at least once. But yeah, I think it's that incredible mix of metropolitan with nature and the interesting people. There's a lot of expats, a lot of international travelers. There's such a mix in Sydney. The demographic is really interesting And especially up here on the northern beaches, I find a lot of entrepreneurial or creative minds because they've found a way to create a life that isn't so next to the CBD. Yeah. And Melbourne's certainly not the place to hang around the beach. It's too cold. Yes, especially in winter. So chilly. Although I think Melbourne's been the pick of the cities this winter. Has it? It has. We've had less rain, I think, than Sydney and Brisbane and... You know, it's like when you live in Melbourne, you've got to take every opportunity you can to say, hey, our weather's not as bad as everyone says it is. I was about to say, you know what, I think Melbourne probably feels like they have to make up for everything that happened in 2020 and 2021. Bit a bit gloomy, but yeah, I think they really do deserve a really beautiful stint of time. Anyway, we're not here to talk about the weather. We are here to talk about you and some of the great stuff you're doing. You have just recently published your first book, Elevate Your Energy. It is. It is my first book. Congratulations. It's a very exciting time. Thank you. And it's already a bestseller? It's already a bestseller, which it's kind of crazy. About three years ago, I had the vision of being an author and I set the goal to be by the time I was 70. And it's so weird how fast it happened. It happened so fast. It's a bit like, okay, I need like a bigger goal. I need to think bigger. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, by the time you're 70, maybe you should have a goal to have 70 books. Well, there you go. There are people that do that. I do see really creative minds that have so many books out there. It's definitely possible. For sure. So tell us a bit about the book. What is the book about? It's called Elevate Your Energy. Give us a bit of a pricey version so people know why they should go and buy it. So it's called Elevate Your Energy. 
Have you ever heard of that saying that when you find the source, that energy is endless? It's pretty much about aligning people and getting people to the place where they feel endless inspiration, endless energy, essentially because they're doing what they love and they love their life. It's a co-authored book. So it's a collaboration. The full word is by Dr. John Martini from The Secret, which is very exciting. I love his work. And my chapter is called The Law on Love. So my zone of genius and my chapter is all about elevating your love life to get the love that you want. It's about essentially a journey to being in your most authentic, attractive, inspired energy. I like it. Well, I think we've got something to talk about, haven't we? That's for sure. And I love that, elevate your energy. And you're right. You're so right. When you love what you do and when you're aligned to your purpose and your values and your identity, then energy just flows abundantly because you just want to do more of it because you feel like this is my space. This is why I'm here. Unfortunately, there's so many people that struggle to find that space. Yeah, absolutely. And even when some of us do find the space, we'll lose it from time to time, then have to find it again. It can be a bit of a dance, right? Life goes in cycles and waves, but once you have the formula, you can always find your way back. Yeah, you can. So Elise, tell us what you're doing at the moment, apart from being a fabulously successful author, what are you doing at the moment to help people? And I know you mentioned before we started recording this sort of three areas you work with people and probably the one that seems to be coming to you most is this romantic love niche where you're really just helping people find beautiful romantic relationships, probably first and foremost with themselves and then with someone else. It's yeah. hard to have a romantic relationship with just yourself, although you can. So it's a bit more fun to have it with someone else. So tell us about what you're doing at the moment. How do you spend your days? I love that you touched on the part about you can have it with yourself. I mean, that's such a trendy thought at the moment and it's almost swung the other way where some people are now afraid to even admit if they want love because there's such a huge thing of, well, be your own best friend, you know, become your own one. And a lot of what I do is helping people admit, you know what, hang on, I am a human. I did come here to co-regulate. There is oneness. There isn't just one of me. We came as a tribe. Our brains actually work best when in sync with another in the tribe. Like the um, amygdalas regulate each other. And co-regulation is such a vital part of being a human. Uh, That part of my message is really allowing particularly women to admit that they do actually want a relationship because we used to be such a big part. Like interdependence was seen as this feminine thing and there's almost a loss of it because there's this feminist movement of, oh, well, you just, you know, need to be whole on your own. And so, yeah, I, I just wanted to backtrack and touch on the part that you said that like, yes, and we can be whole and we can then mingle with another. So I'm a one-on-one life coach. I get energy from coaching people. I accidentally do it all the time. The amount of times my friends say to me, I feel like I should have just charged you for that conversation. And I say, well, friends and family free because it's like, I'm not coaching you. I am a coach. It accidentally happens constantly. And it's just so inspiring. Human transformation, I think is one of the most inspiring things to watch. People go from A to B. That's my favorite to hear stories of triumph, the hero's journey, and to be part of someone's transformation from something undesirable to something desirable or a life they don't love to a life they do love is just everything. So I found that when I came out as a coach, people naturally ask me about three different areas, but the one that is my zone of genius and that life clearly wants from me and that has all this fire behind it and just takes off like a rocket whenever I touch it, whenever I surrender to it, is the masculine and feminine dance, is getting people getting the love that they want, people getting the romance and the passion and the fire in their life that they want. 
there is a certain magic in that niche for me and the results that the clients get are kind of creepily magical. So yeah, like it almost seems like I have to kind of pretend the results aren't so amazing. Otherwise it sounds like I'm kind of a bit of a scam, like, oh, like someone just manifested love. But yeah, this, this magical stuff does happen when people elevate their energy. Yep. And I think it's such an important topic for people that are single, but also people that are in relationships because there are a lot of people in a relationship where they don't have that spark or that magic and it's a bit run of the mill and people get into a bit of a rut, certainly in relationships, that's for sure. So I'm sure your message is good for people that are looking for a partner, but also people that maybe have a partner and it's not really that magical experience that they want. And that's what we all want, really, isn't it? We all want that love. And as you said earlier, yes, it's good to be whole and to love ourselves and to be independent. That's for sure. But we are human beings and we crave connection and we crave intimacy. And I think the key is one of my struggles has been thinking that a partner is going to complete me. And I think that's the big problem when we think that when we're in the relationship, everything will be okay. And we put aside all the things we really need to work on around ourselves and think, oh, that's okay. That gap will be filled when. And Mm. I think it's important, and I'm sure you'll touch on this, that we need to be whole. It's not about completing someone. It's about complementing someone. Absolutely. Relationships are actually the great amplifier. The extent to which the relationship can be your greatest fantasy is the extent to which it'll also be your nightmare. And if you go into it thinking it'll just be a fantasy, it'll be a shock and perhaps you'll keep leaving a relationship looking for the one when the nightmare doesn't appear. But essentially, I truly believe that relationships are the greatest vehicle for self-development because they provide this incredible atmosphere where because the extent of your connection is so deep, the extent of what you feel will be so big, it will shine a light on everything. There is nowhere to hide because we all know, you know, the subtle art of not giving an F or whatever, like when you don't care, you don't feel so deeply, but the minute you actually open yourself up, you are vulnerable. You do allow that connection in. Now you're really in the game. And now is when you really are going to find out who you are. And, you know, you can have this idea about who you are meditating on a mountain. You can have this idea about who you are as even a single person when you don't have the vulnerability of deeply being connected to someone. But the minute you actually go deep and you open and you let that connection happen is when you're really at the start of the biggest challenge and the biggest opportunity for growth. Yeah, it's such a juicy ground for that. So I think if you go into it thinking, this is going to save me, this is going to be the thing that makes life amazing, you might be in for a shock when you realize this is going to be the hardest but most rewarding work of your life. Yeah. Awesome. Well, at least let's have a quick break. We've set a beautiful scene now. There's going to be lots of great, juicy, wonderful, magical stuff to talk about. So we'll continue after this short break. How do you rate the most important things in your life? For many of us, long life and joy are high on the list. Important elements we can't buy, but the secret to attaining them is elusive and out of reach for many. Andrew Jobling has tackled these important questions in his book, The Wellness Puzzle, Living a Life of Joyful Longevity. Andrew solves the problem by teaching the seven pieces to optimal well-being. This is a must-read. Find out more about The Wellness Puzzle and Andrew's other books at andrewjobling.com.au. Elise, I'm looking at you and you've got it all together and I know you're in a beautiful relationship. You've got two beautiful kids. You've got a cavoodle. Yeah, cavoodle pup. 
a yeah. cavoodle pup. So you've got the happy family and you've got this energy about you. People can't see you. They can only hear you, but I'm sure they can hear the energy. Has it always been like that for you? Tell us a bit about your journey of how you've got to this point. Yeah, I sometimes, well, I've come to believe that sometimes the people that have the greatest, actually, I heard this thing yesterday <laughs> by, I should probably credit him, a mentor of mine, his name is Benjamin J. Harvey, he's in the book, and he said, the greatest masters were once the greatest disasters. And I resonate with that. Relationships was not a natural, easy thing for me. My whole upbringing caused me, well, caused me, had the effect of me really believing that if it was to be, it was up to me, that no one else was to be trusted, that I was determined to never depend on anyone ever. I was determined to be fiercely independent. I was going to be this high-flying lawyer and I was going to earn a lot of money. And that was my only goal in life. That was how I came out of my childhood. What led you to that belief? Well, you know, what led me to that belief is it's hard to really know the source of it because everyone reacts differently to different environments, but something to do with the combination of my nervous system, both nature and nurture, whatever it was, that combination made me to feel that I couldn't rely on anyone else and that no one was trustworthy and that no one else was really safe, that everyone was out for themselves and trying to get me. And that the minute you were vulnerable, you were attacked or you were hurt or you're abandoned. And were you at any stage in your early life with their personal experience where you were attacked when you were being vulnerable? I have seen in my life psychologists and I saw a psychiatrist once and that psychiatrist turned around and said to me, wow, you are a fighter. You are a warrior. That pretty much when I gave her my history of what I'd been through, she couldn't believe where I was today. And psychologists have been shocked that I have secure attachment in my life. Now, you know, it's interesting to know how to really phrase it because I've done so much inner work that I love my parents. And I know that whatever experience I had with them was a passing down of an experience that they had before them and they had before them and they had before them. And I can see how their experiences led them to my experiences and I can see they're doing the best they could with the information they had. But my summary, and there's always multiple realities in any situation, my reality and my reflection now is that they were probably, and they'd probably horrified to hear me say this, but they were probably deeply very insecure and that manifested as trying to get a lot of needs met through the children. So for me, it was a challenging childhood. If you can kind of think of almost any experience a person can have, I've probably had it. Well, not any experience, but any kind of difficulty a child might experience. It was, if you can imagine it, it might have been there. And so, yeah, it felt legitimately unsafe. And I would say at times it was legitimately unsafe. And that has caused me to create something. I consider myself a cycle breaker. So I am purposely and intentionally creating something very, very different for my children. And the way that I've been able to actually embody and get that result is by working on my insecurities. And that's how I realized that that must have been what was going on for my parents. That, you know, if your needs aren't getting met, if you're not feeling superior, if you're not feeling a sense of control, if you're feeling powerless, if you felt powerless as a child, you might use your children to feel powerful. You might think, oh, finally someone I can dominate because I was dominated. Usually often the abuse becomes the abuser. So I, yeah, I've kind of had this sense of those that were meant to have my back were the scariest people in my life. And when I looked at my parents' relationship, 
I never wanted anything like that. I came to the conclusion that I would rather be alone than have anything like that. And looking at that, I used to constantly say, I used to beg my parents to not be together. Well, my mom, I used to say, I don't feel safe. And one of the biggest reasons I was told was like, oh no, financially that wouldn't work. Financially that wouldn't work. Financially, we need the family to stay together. And so I got this belief of, wow, I will never depend financially on a man ever. So that I always at any point in time have the freedom to be independent if I need to be, which is so funny because I then went on to become a stay-at-home mom and depend financially on my husband for like well over seven years now. And it's the funniest thing. I had the exact experience that I was determined not to have, but it's because I experienced secure attachment. And that's why I understand that when I see women out there saying, no, you must always be financially independent. I get that. I've been there and I understand that it's a fear-based program. And if you were to feel the psychological safety, if you were to fear that, oh, if I surrendered and trusted this human, that they're not going to try to dominate and control and hurt me with that power, that some people you can hand your vulnerability to and they won't stab you. You can lift up and show your little bare belly or roll over like a dog and they won't hurt you. Some people will see your vulnerability and they will love you more for it. Embrace it. Yep. And that's not everyone. Some people don't love the vulnerability in themselves. And when they see someone else be vulnerable, they will attack them because it's almost like they attack the vulnerability in themselves. And it was just learning. Well, the, not everyone is like that. And it's been very healing to have a different experience. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. It sounds like without you having to go into any specifics or details, there was a challenging upbringing. Are your parents still around? Yeah, they're both still alive. Are they together? They're not together. Growing up, the biggest thing was like no one was to know that the exterior image of the family had to look good. So they're always quite horrified if I say anything to the contrary. So I try to respect in their mind that it feels like a nightmare to them for me to ever say anything and for me to not carry forward the idea that it was just a lovely family and they're still alive. And that is something I really have to be aware of that, well, those are their needs. Better make sure they don't hear this podcast then, hey? It's a balance of how do I share my story so that people can resonate and hear and know that I understand. So, so effectively what you're saying is they probably haven't seen the light. So what's changed with your relationship with them now? Are they accepting you more for who you are or is there still that friction? So I really respect my dad. He had a tougher childhood than me. Yeah, like it moves me. I mean, even he was just telling me the other day that he used to get the cuttings at school every day. It's like, what are the cuttings? They used to get leather straps and it would cut their hands at school. I mean, that was just at school and that was not the worst of what was going on for him. You know, he was acting out at school because other stuff, he had a really rough home life, but he can also see how his dad. But one thing I will say about my dad is he does grow and he does try and he does reflect and have self-awareness and I can see he tries to understand me and he tries and he, he's into mindset. And so I really respect the journey he's had, the mindset he has to live with daily that is not easy and the extent to which he puts in the work to try to still be the best person for himself. So for him, there's a lot of respect there. It's more of a challenge with my mom. The mother wound has been the hardest part. In the sense that I don't know if she will ever be able to accept me. And that is something that I've had to accept, that I've had to learn. 
And the gift of that is I've learned how to be my own best mother. I do self-mothering practice. I tell myself the words I needed to hear. I love and accept myself. I will journal from my inner child to my loving inner mom, and I will become the loving inner parent. But I think I must represent to her all the parts that she can't accept. Yeah. And I think it's important to say at this stage, this is not a parent bashing session at all. Everyone, as you were saying, do the best we can based on our experiences and what we've seen and what we've learned and what we've grown up with. And it's important to say that every one of us are doing the best we can. None of us are perfect. We all stuff up regularly. We don't mean to necessarily, but we do. And it's just us being human. And I think that's important to recognize. Yeah. Something I'm working on is trying to see the world through the perspective of What if everyone actually has a pure intention? And what if everyone is moving from love? How could I interpret this event as having actually been loving? How could I interpret something that just say my mom has done, which I've interpreted as not being acceptance? How could I interpret that as in her mind? Because everyone's a hero of their own journey and everyone thinks that they're moving from pure intention. So in her mind, there must be some pure intention going on there. How could I? Yeah, I'm working on moving the perspective, right? Lifelong journey. It's, it can be challenging, but it's freeing if you can get there. Yeah. Well, again, thanks for sharing that. So now you've pretty much transformed yourself. You've come out of that upbringing. You've had some pretty serious limiting beliefs about yourself and about safety and about not depending on men and being financially stable. And now you're a much more open, vulnerable, accepting, loving person. Tell us a little bit about that transition to get to where you are now. Mm. Yeah, so my whole life has been a mindset journey, but really it was all to do with success principles for the first 18 years. So I was heavily in this dance sport called calisthenics. You know, we never lost. We were the championship level. We treated it almost like we were in the Olympics. (laughs) Even though there was no Olympic level of it, that was, you know, we had Olympic grade physiotherapists and we took it very seriously. We performed even if we were injured. There was a lot of mindset work in that. But at 18, it shifted for me to healing work. Instead of using the mind to achieve something, it was using the mind to feel good in life, using the mind to actually feel peaceful inside, using the mind to feel safe. If looking back, I would say I probably had a lot of anxiety and I was trying to navigate how to quieten my mind with affirmations and self-development work. And you know, that was just simply because I had so much inner turmoil that I was searching for something to escape my own mind. Like everywhere I was, my mind was so noisy. Like there was no point even going on a holiday because my mind would be traumatizing me. It'd be going over past events and reflecting and feeling angry and feeling resentful and, you know, really wondering how could that person have said this? How could that person have done this? So I was searching for solutions and I read every book and I did all the kind of mindset stuff. I was still very guarded and very cagey. And I thought the mindset work was working somewhat. It was helping somewhat, but it was super slow. And what happened was I became pregnant And that changes your brain from a me focus to a we focus. And it just totally, what was manageable as a single person, well, as, you know, I was in a relationship, but as not a parent, suddenly became amplified and not manageable once I became a parent. All my fears were amplified. Any version of self-protection I had was now for like all children at large. And that was just intense. And so that's when it's like I needed more. I was like, this self-development stuff is not working. I've done so much. I have tried so hard to feel good. And yet I still feel desperately lonely and confused. And I just felt like I just didn't fit in life. I felt 
divergent. I felt like there is something wrong with me. I was born in the wrong time. I am not like anyone else. And I, I don't know. I just felt too different. And that felt really lonely. And I felt like I couldn't find anyone else like me. And so I wondered if I was just a totally broken human. And I was also shocked. I hadn't realized that not everyone had had a similar childhood to me. I kind of in my head was a bit like, well, everyone's got their challenges. Everyone, I mean, everyone has their challenges. Going to all the midwife appointments, they would do all these surveys and they would say, so tell me about your history. And they take your history when you're pregnant. Every time they got to my history, they were like, have you experienced physical abuse, mental abuse? Yes. They're like, whoa, have you ever done anything to deal with that? I'm like, no, I'm all right. I'm all right. I kept being told because of your past, you are high risk. Because I would just answer matter of fact, it was my life. It was normal. And then I kept getting told you are high risk for postnatal depression. Like, would you like us to put you on a program? I'm like, no, no, I'm upbeat. I'm an optimistic person. I've got mindset. And so it was sort of like this whole parenting thing just dropped the bomb. Like, no, you actually can't cope. <laughs> and also there's something about parenting that really teaches you the lesson that you really can't do this on your own, that life really isn't a solo sport, that independence really is not the winning game. Because if having a child and trying to control everything and do everything on your own, really, it's like, wow, you can't. It's finally the thing that you, you can't do. There's only so much and sleep deprivation you can get through on your own before going a bit crazy. So that was when I got to a real rock bottom there. I pretty much cut off everyone in my life except for my husband. It was really intense. And it was at that place that I was finally like, I need to do something different. I was finally tired of my own BS. I was tired of all the self-development books and stuff not getting me the results that I wanted. And I made a new decision and I finally decided to actually ask someone further down the line than me for help. So I got a life coach slash health coach. So his name is Dr. Stephen Cabral and he cost me an absolute fortune and it was in US dollars and it didn't feel like we could afford it on one wage. It was unbelievable, but I had seen this presentation that he'd given. I had seen some influencers, you know, recommend him type thing. And I was finally ready to say, you know what? I can't figure this out on my own. And that was a turning point for me. That was a real turning point for me. I went to those appointments and there was something in his journey that resonated with mine. He would do a podcast and he would talk about how he had to take a sabbatical from his family for a while, that they had very different views, how you can't get healthy unless you, your mind is healthy. You can do all the nutrition and this and that, but really, unless you deal with your mind, you'll cycle back. But the problem was, as I was doing his stuff, was there was something missing in the sense that I could pull off what he was asking, but I have a steel mind. I am very determined and I am such an action taken. I thought this is brilliant what he teaches and also only absolute A-type personalities are going to be able to pull this off. I'm like, what about the people that don't have that level of intensity or willpower? They haven't done some sort of kind of intense sport where they've really trained their mind to just do it. I thought there needs to be something more. And I, not long after, sort of came across coaching training and I was just really pulled to it and I went to this coaching training with authentic education and that's where I found the missing piece which was really diving into the secondary gain psychology talking about your deepest underlying needs that why you will engage in behaviors that are killing you but you'll do it anyway and really diving deep into understanding what it takes to really transform as a human and that's when my journey it's like someone had just added <laughs> That was in May 2020. Well, I might just hold you there, Elise. We might have a quick break. 
right now and then we'll get back into that. Obviously, that sounds like the real missing piece and what we want to communicate. So let's have a quick break and we'll come back and talk about it after this short break. Career well-being is an essential piece of the wellness puzzle. One third of our lifetimes are spent working, with each and every one of us facing challenges along the way. Where do you go to be heard and feel supported? We've created Hexcom, the community app to help you with your career well-being. A safe place to learn, share advice and gather insights, empowering you to pursue your dreams and achieve fulfilment in your career. Download the Hexcom app in the App Store and Google Play today. Elise, that was amazing. And you have been on a journey, that's for sure. And it's an interesting, we try all these things, the self-development, we think, I just got to read more and learn more and be stronger and better and more focused. And that's the answer. And it's often rarely the answer because you can learn as much as you want, but if you don't heal inside, if you don't learn more about who you are and who you are at the core, and I think probably the biggest issue for a lot of people is they just don't honor who they truly are. They think they've got to be the A-type personality. They think they've got to be that focused, disciplined, dedicated person or they're a failure. And it just takes you to stop and go, okay, well, maybe I'm just not honoring who I am. So this is a big part. Again, where what you do is you help people romantically find the magic in relationship, but you're not going to find it if you don't find it within yourself. Oh, I could not agree more with every word you've just said. That was so beautifully articulated that, yeah, it's so often we use self-development as a way to kind of be mean to ourselves, to tell ourselves we're not good enough, to tell ourselves we need a change, that we are broken. And that's what I was using self-development for until I found the tools to work at the inner level, to work on healing the blocks and shifting the energy and, you know, healing the past or letting go of resentments, but more than letting go, learning to appreciate the divine order of my life exactly as it was. And in that, learning to love and accept myself and the whole journey and attempting to love and accept everything that had unfolded and everyone on the way. And yeah, it's so true that there really is so much power in learning to love yourself. And really that often comes down to just trusting yourself, learning to trust who you are, your journey, and to trust that even if you were some flavor of human that society would deem as broken, that somehow that is actually perfect for your life journey. Somehow that isn't broken in the divine order of life. Somehow that is the exact person you were meant to be, to have the experience you're meant to have, to be of the greatest service to the other humans around you, that there is divine perfection in everything that you are right now and the journey that has brought you here. One thing I will say, though, is that some people often believe, well, they can't find love until they get to that point. And that's so not true. There is more than one. There are plenty of people that will love you because (laughs) of your flaws, because of the places that you feel broken, because of the parts that you think are unlovable, that's exactly what someone else is going to find really lovable and really connects you to them. And sometimes one of the ways that people are repelling love so much is trying to be so perfect. And there's this thought sometimes that we actually make other people feel how we feel. So if you're busy feeling like you're not perfect enough and you're so anxious about being perfect, it's like other people almost feel anxious around you. And there's something really beautiful and connecting about being around someone that just is totally accepting of themselves even though you can see things that you would deem as not perfect, but they just seem so comfortable because they're comfortable. You feel comfortable. And in that there is a beautiful sense of connection. 
So sometimes self-development is used to try and become more and more perfect. And that is actually driving away more and more connection because people will kind of subconsciously think, oh. We can't relate to perfection. I mean, because none of us are perfect. No, no one is. It's just someone is doing better at pretending that they're perfect, but that mask is creating a wall. We really want to connect. We really want to feel you know, kind of almost strange with another person. It's like that Dr. Zeus quote, uh, love is when I've forgotten the actual words, but it's essentially love is like when one weird person finds another weird person and together they fall into mutual weirdness and call it love. That's really what we're all looking for. Like you think of your best friends when you're a kid, you would do the silliest stuff together and you would just laugh and giggle and neither of you were being perfect and both of you were just being so weird. And weird, yeah. There's something really bonding about being really awkward together. (laughs) It's cute and it's sweet and you feel like, oh, isn't it nice? Like this must be love, realizing I didn't have to be anything other than just myself. That is so good. It's so true and it takes so much pressure off, doesn't it? Like how many of us are out there trying to be someone we're not to attract the person we think we want? It's like crazy. The person that we want is out there. We've just got to be us. You know, yeah. at the moment I'm single. And so this is very helpful for me, by the way. And I'm glad I get to do this on a podcast. I don't have to pay you as a life coach. <laughs> oh, good timing. I love that divine timing. Look at that. Called it in. Yeah. I think that if you really reflect on who you feel most connected to, it's not because you think they're perfect. It's potentially because you love the way they dance with their imperfections. You love the way they're like, yeah, all right, but this is me, you know? There's something really, really connecting about it. And also you never know what someone else finds attractive. It's so subjective. Often we have this belief that what our mum or dad thought was good is what the whole world thinks. So if our mum thought that blonde hair was the only hair that looked good, we'll think, oh, well, that must be what everyone is thinking. And that means we'll mold ourselves to someone else's ideal, not realizing that everyone has a different ideal and you might as well just fully express what feels true to you from inspiration and what feels expansive to you because that is exactly who you want to be in relationship anyway. You don't want to be with someone where you have to be someone else. So you might as well just be yourself. And so you're actually going to attract in the person that loves that flavor of human. We all like different flavors. And I think the problem is when we're trying to be some other flavor. We always think we've got to be something different, don't we? Or we're too similar to other people out there. But we're not. We've all got this uniqueness about us. We've all got something that's really special about us that people will be attracted to. Yeah, everyone's got a different fingerprint of their values, their priorities, their favorite feelings, their history, their path. Like no two people are the same. It's a unique fingerprint combination. And plenty of people love your exact fingerprint combination. Absolutely. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay, so Elise, tell us now, And I think I probably know what you're going to say, but one hint, tip for people, and we're all looking for the connection. We all want love. We all want to be loved. We want to give love. That's the human experience. But many people are not experiencing the magic that's there available to them. This is crazy to try and narrow it down to one thing, but what would be one thing you would say to people listening to help them do that? Mm, The one thing. My favorite thing to say always is your only assignment is your alignment. And that's a bit abstract. That's essentially basically trust the things that light you up. So the things that give you energy are no accident. The things that feel good and expansive and they feel like they're growing you, 
and you feel curious about them, trust that and spend more time doing that because the more you're alive with energy, the more you're doing what you love, the more you will find the right people that are on that frequency too, also doing what they love and that are seeing you in your glow. Yeah, that's awesome. Wonderful. Alicia, it's been a fabulous conversation. If people want to reach out to you, they want to be coached by you, they want to chat to you, they want to buy a book, how do they do that? Yeah, they can head to my website, elisepeck.com, E-L-I-S-E-P for Peter, E-C-K.com. I offer on that, on the front page, there's a free strategy call with me. So people are welcome to come in and book a free call and we can actually talk about where they are right now and what they do want out of their love life. So that's right there on the homepage. There's also a big blog on there with lots of tips. And uh, there's a link on my website to my Instagram where I also give away free tips and stuff. A lot of information via reels and, and this sort of stuff. And you can interact with me on a more personal level over on Instagram. So my my website is the spot. Okay, that's awesome. So I want to encourage everyone listening to this to go to Elisa's website and check all that out. This is a big deal. So many people spend a lot of their life just missing out on the beauty and joy and magic of connection. And you don't want to get to the end of your life and go, I wish I were better in that area. Now's the time to take action. So I really want to encourage people to reach out to Elise and have a chat. But thank you so much. It's been an awesome conversation and really inspired now to go and make my assignment alignment. (laughs) Thank you so much. My pleasure, Andrew. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure chatting with you and hearing your insights and everything too. It's been great. Thank you. Great. Thanks, Elise. A wonderful conversation with Elise Peck wasn't it? It was. This is the key, really. This is what life's about as human beings. We crave connection. We crave being with someone. And I know as a single man right now, I miss that connection with a person. I really do. And I know that if I just stick with being who I am and aligning myself to my inner me and just embracing me, every part of me, good, bad, and (laughs) all the other bits and I know that will happen and I'm really excited about what Elise just shared for you, but I'm also excited for myself. It's wonderful. So thank you very much, Elise. If you want to reach out to Elise, you can go to her website, which is elisepeck.com. That's E-L-I-S-E-P-E-C-K.com and reach out to her. You'll be able to connect with her on social media and see all the cool stuff that she is doing. Thanks to Jeff and the team at Hexcom for sponsoring the podcast. Jeff's doing some wonderful things to help people really align themselves with their life and what they're doing, particularly in the career perspective and really helping people have this amazing career well-being to help them live a happy, healthy, successful, prosperous, and passionate life. So thank you to Jeff and the team at Hexcom. What a wonderful conversation it has been, as it always is, information that every one of us need to hear and hopefully information that you will actually apply into your life to help you build stronger connections with people that you love. It's been a wonderful conversation. I'll be back again next week. Please join me. My name's Andrew Jobling. This is the Wellness Puzzle Podcast.